Welcome to the Creators Are Brands podcast. This is the show that discovers how storytellers are building brands online. I am your host, Tom Boyd. I am a content strategist for both brands and creators. I've worked with everything from billion-dollar companies to multi-platinum recording artists to some of your favorite creator economy platforms. In today's episode, we have Nina Zeta from Skywalker Daily, who has helped thousands of influencers and creators around the globe turn their social media into full-time incomes. We discuss exactly how her business helps creators build their businesses her signature course which is the pitching to brands master course and that is linked wherever you're listening to this pod how many followers you need to have before you start landing brand deals the importance of positioning your brand how there isn't just one way to approach landing brand deals where to start when you're first talking to brands and you're reaching out to them how to identify brands who are actually paying why you should start doing discovery calls with brands exactly how you should be dming brands the importance of having an abundance mindset when it comes to ideas how to collaborate with other creators on affiliate partnerships like nina and i did with her pitching to brands master course this episode is essentially a free coaching call disguised as a podcast so i'm stoked for you to tune in and listen without blabbing your ear off anymore let's get into the show here's a little backstory you're when I was figuring out how to first have conversations with brands as I started to build an audience, you were one of the first people that came up when I searched it on YouTube. You're someone that I've always kind of seen as an expert. So I'm excited to jam out on this and help the people that listen to this show make some more money with brand deals. So tell me a little bit about you and, and how you got to this point to, to uh, be in this position where you know so much about working with brands. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. And I think um, that thing, and I'm so, that's such a like compliment too. like the power of YouTube, right? The power of social, you really never know who's watching, who's watching your channel, whether it be on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, um, and what connections will be made from it. So I just think that's, um, that's one of the most, that's one of the, the best parts of like social in general. So a little bit about me and my experience. Uh, well, well, one thing, it's reason why like I've like this show is such an easy show to host because everyone I interview, like they've already put so much information out there and I feel like I know them already. So people are like, how are you so casual with, with your audience? I'm like, I literally feel like I know them. Like I've watched their content for hours. It's called, it's called the parasocial relationship because it actually means like you feel like you know the person, but the person doesn't even know you exist, right? Like that happens all the time because of the point of view of how you're talking. I'm sure people feel like that about you on TikTok. So basically uh -huh. a little bit about um, my experience is, so I really started off on the brand side. Um, I have my MBA. I've, you know, had my own marketing firm. I started off on social media. This is like way back when, like when brands and influencers and all that wasn't even a thing. And a lot of my experience came from consulting on PR agencies. I actually started, we were to really bring it back in time. I don't know if you know this, but I actually started when Sidewalker started on Instagram. I know you saw me on YouTube and you met me on YouTube, but we actually started on Instagram and we had what you call a reshare account. These are those Instagram accounts back in the day where you would reshare content and it was doing, you know, it kind of got picked up. Even if you look up the Sidewalker Daily hashtag now, we have, I think, over 600,000 hashtags or something, like people yeah. tagging us to be reshared, which is kind of cool. Um, and we started off on a press trip, which is when a hotel invites you to come to their property and, like, you know, review it and post on social. And this is, again, and this is, like, in 2016. And so... I remember going on this trip and being like, okay, like this is good and all, but like, I want to, I want to be on the brand side. Like I want to be the one organizing these trips. Like I have like that marketing brain. Like I want to, this is where I want to be. So fast forward, I have just been consulting for 
um, with different PR agencies, tourism boards, hotels, like doing massive influencer campaigns, you know, managing 100,000 plus budgets when it comes to paying creators very early on before brands, before COVID, which is really what in 2020, we saw a huge, huge, huge shift in influencers, you know, credibility, seriousness, the industry, the valuation of it all. This I was I was on the influencer brand side from way back when, 2016, 2017, right? Before brands even wanted yeah. to pay creators, right? So what I noticed in working with, yeah. with creators, right? What I noticed on the brand side is that creators were really good at the creation, but really bad at the biz side. Now, mind you, I told you I have my MBA. I've always been like kind of a natural teacher. I was like, I want to help creators be better business people, building businesses, Mm -hmm. less about just working with brands, but better negotiators, helping them scale, create a sustainable business. Like I believed in this industry from way back when. So I always knew like I wanted to help these awesome, young, fresh brains do what I do, which is, you know, work for myself. So that's kind of where Sidewalker pivoted into the YouTube land, where we started just putting content to help with the, with the intentions of value, 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 help, 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 and sharing the brand perspective. I think that's what made us different. I'm like basically telling you how I'm hiring creators for campaigns or like shitty media kits that I see, or, you know, why this creator overcharged. And I'm like, I'm never going to pay that or why they undercharge, you know, and I started seeing all these gaps and that's just kind of how we transitioned into the creator side. And that's really where we are now. Um, really helping, focusing on helping creators on their business, on, on the business side, whether that be working with brands, building a course, branding yourself, building your website. It's a holistic process, right? It's not just one street. There are multiple streets. So I like it. Okay. So we're coming at it from all angles. Um, the, the programs that you, you have, is it, is it just like one pillar program that, that you have? Or is there, are there like multiple uh, like courses or, or ways that people work with you? So yeah, we have like multiple different ways now, like outside of our brand clients, which we still have, you know, clients that we work for and run their influencer campaigns. It's still something we still do. We work with creators in a variety of different ways. Like sometimes they want the one-on-one coaching, right? Where they just literally want to ask me questions and they want like private tutoring. That's kind of how I like put it. We have group sessions where they're more done in a group dynamic. We have membership where we meet weekly on Zoom, Q&A style, right? We have... um we have our signature courses are pitching to brands master course. It's turning one year okay. old um, in, September, in April. So that's really cool. Like we're approaching our one year. This is our signature golden ticket course because it's really focused on results. So people will take the course and then they'll come back with like a crazy case study or crazy testimonial, um, really results driven, right? I had a creator literally yesterday just send me this insane testimonial saying with around 3000 followers, she signed $20,000 gig um, with a tourism board. And I'm thinking to myself, holy, this is crazy. The amount of, you know, money out there and like what creators are doing at small following levels, right? It's mindset. But she knew she had something to offer this, this, this tourism board and she went for it. Um, So, we work, yeah, there's multiple ways to work with creators, but again, it really depends. Yeah. Like our other courses are like how to discover your niche or like little things that are still really important in the business. But I think most people come to us to pitch to brands. How many followers is the right amount of followers to start thinking about brand deals? Yeah. So great question. I get that question all the time too. And it's funny because people that ask that question want permission. They want to see if they have that number 
to send out the pitch. It's all about permission. Um, and to be frank, one of the things we teach a lot is how are you creator positioning yourself? If I have a creator who creates kick ass content, highly skilled, super, super content focused, they don't, followers doesn't even matter. They're pitching content to the brands. Brands have TikToks to run. Brands have Instagrams and YouTubes and blogs and podcasts, and they need these marketing materials, these assets. So I won't, I have seen creators with 900 followers less. You don't even need an account. If you're a skilled photographer and you have a portfolio and you're sending a pitch, this is client services, my friend. Who cares about social? They're not coming to you for social. Now, if you're trying to pitch influence, you really have to ask yourself, do you have influence? Forget the numbers. Do you have influence? Will someone click the button when you ask them to? Even if it's a swipe up. Do you have influence? And one of the things, again, we constantly try to get creators to think about is, well, test it. Test it. Put a poll up. How many people hit that poll? Do a giveaway. How many people entered? Are there people in this world that want to do the things that you ask them to do? Are they your true following? And I think once you start to understand if you actually have influence, then you feel confident and you feel valued. And then it gives you that permission to send the pitch. Um, but again, in terms of case studies, people always drill me, give me a number, give me a number. I'll give you a number based on the results that I see through my community. The girl who signed the $20,000 deal with the tourism board sent me amazing testimonial, pitched them with 1,200 followers. And by the time she secured them, she had 2,000. So this is one person. I've had creators with 900 followers, you know, get comped hotel stays if that's what they want. I mean... Guys, it's not a numbers game. It's a mindset game. So so talk to me about positioning, and I'll give you a quick example. Um, coming from the freelancer world, I used to learn a lot about positioning where it's like if you are a photographer, that is super general. You know, no one – it's like hard for people to think like, all right, what does he specialize in? But if you're a health and fitness photographer, then – Someone that has a health and fitness brand, you become top of mind. They recommend you. They say that he knows his space. He knows the unique angle. He knows how these photos are going to be used. Like that become, you become more valuable because you've been, and that's how I learned about positioning and that's how I sort of applied it to the podcast. So people were saying, Tom, you should name the podcast um, bonus footage because that's what all my handles are. And I said, no, I wanted to be clear who this is for because I wanted a strong positioning. And because of my positioning, I've been getting multiple brand deal offers for the podcast because they're like Tom's one of the go-to podcasts podcasts in this space. If it was called bonus footage, it wouldn't be that clear to the naked eye. Is that how you think about positioning? Yes, yes. And to add, like for your personal example, bonus footage has zero search, like zero search volume. If you look at it from an SEO perspective, there is no search around that term. Versus the word creator, how much search is around that term? I'm sure we could look it up right now. So even Tom, you didn't realize that maybe you were doing this, but from a search perspective, you were able to probably (laughs) rank. We need to like, are we? You're ranking for a term. So like a lot of times, two creators will forget like the importance of things like search and all those little things that go into play. Listen, positioning is positioning is flexible. It's fluid also in pitches when it comes to pitching. And I'll give you an example. I have a creator who is pitching travel, right? One of the big things that like I focus on are media kits. Like I can, I'm the self-proclaimed media quick queen. I'm obsessed. I think that is the ticket, the golden, like Willy Wonka ticket. Okay. I think it's the golden ticket 
I think it's what okay. gets you invited to the chocolate we'll castle. But I'll tell you, positioning is being able to say, hey, I'm pitching to a travel brand. Let me just swap out some photos and make it travel centric. Oh, I'm pitching to a mm. consumer product, like a you know product company. Let me switch out some photos and show how my strength in photo. Oh, I'm pitching to an automobile company. Let me show them how I do product reviews and things, right? So positioning, there's, there's ways to think about, like when I talk also about positioning, I talk about it in the pitch. How are you positioning yourself in the pitch okay. to get, you know, the person on the other side excited about working with you, right? Seeing yep. some sort of link, as you could call it. Like, oh, this person makes sense for us. Um, we don't have to be these set in stone type of avatars, so to speak. We can, yeah. we can be yeah. flexible in our pitch and in our positioning based on who we're reaching out to. Yep. I love it. You know, I'm, I'm going to filter these questions through the idea of someone that just blew up on TikTok. Maybe they have a hundred thousand in the travel, like travel lifestyle space. Let's say they've never gotten a brand deal. They have a couple like people DMing them, sending them like, you know, hey, we'll give you a product for fifty bucks or like, you know, just like like kind of like mini little deals. Let's talk about where they should start if they want to build some relationships with brands that are actually going to pay. Where do they start? Is it the positioning? Like what's the first thing that you would tell that person to do if they want to land a big fun brand deal? So I I have a lot of TikTok creators that this happens because a lot of people go viral on TikTok overnight, get a sh crazy ton of followers, and yep. then they're like, holy sh, can I do something with this? So this is like very common, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I see this a lot. Um, yes, there's, it is. There's a creator, Nick's Custom Woodworks, um, 400,000 followers now on TikTok, 465, enrolled in my course, said within two weeks, he has made more partnerships in the last month than he made in the whole year last year. You know, so people also need to also understand that there's not a one way approach. You need to build out your materials. You need to audit your accounts. You need to think about what your offer is. You need to understand what is the brand lacking? How can you fill that need for them? Are you a business person? Are you professional? A lot of, a lot of creators miss the boat on the importance of getting on a call with the person on the brand side and feeling them out, asking questions. In the marketing world, these are discovery calls, right? I go into, I tell my creators, get on these calls and listen. Listen to what they need and want and send them a killer proposal, right? So when you go viral on TikTok and all of a sudden wake up with 100,000 followers and think to yourself, okay, I got people now looking at me, you're positioning yourself truly in the influence, influencer world, right? Because you're going to the brand and saying, yep. I got your audience. When you're trying to position as influence, you're saying, hey, Brian, I have your audience and I am the vehicle that you can come through and I will go to my trusted audience and talk about you in a positive way. That's why brands love this, right? So for that TikToker, when they're first looking to reach out, there's a few things that I think that you need to have in place just ahead of time. Um, outside of a strong pitch email, researching the brands that you want to reach out to, not this lazy approach, and it's not to offend anyone, but just having a, a template pitch that you send to everyone and think that's the way it is. It's just not. 
Like, think about going to a bar. If you were going to talk to 10 girls at the bar, right? Are you saying the same spiel? Or are you making it based on who you're talking to, right? Like, humanizing your pitches. A lot of dudes might be saying the same spiel, but... Yeah, but they're not landing <laughs> deals. They're not landing paid deals, okay? Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. And so so if, if this person's at um, this point, are they... Like, okay, here's a question. How do you know which brands are investing in this type of thing? Because so some brands like, okay, I might want to work with this brand, but they don't really understand how to work with influencer strat- influencers, so they don't have a budget there. Is there a way to figure out like who's actually paying a creator at your level? Yeah, I think just by looking at the brand's accounts and seeing are they having UGC content like user generated are they tagging people in their content? If I go on Nissan's account and I see that they put at bonus footage and I go to, you know, and I go to bonus footage and I see a Nissan post and it says hashtag ad, I'm like, wait a second. Like, you know, I can start to see just by looking at what their social media presence does to see if brands are actively engaging in social. If an, excuse me, an influencer posts um, outside of that is these beautiful discovery calls. If you're the best yep. brands to reach out to are the ones that are just starting too, because why not have you be that wonderful, like that wonderful teacher, you know, and a brand telling you, Hey, you know, we, we really haven't done this before. And you being like, no worries. Like again, super professional, making them feel safe. Not like if the, this is the worst thing that can happen and take it from someone on the brand side, working with a creator who is insecure and like feeling kind of desperate vibes and me feeling like, am I doing you a favor? Like, or are you doing me a favor? Oh, like the, yeah. the creator needs to take control. The creator needs, you're the, like the brand is the client, right? Cause they're paying you and you need to be in the headspace of like taking control, obviously being flexible and like deliverables and in ideas, but you need to make the brand feel safe. So a big part of the reach out is feeling, is that confidence? Like I'd love to hop on a call, learn a little bit more about what you're doing. If you work in creators with any ways, I have some ideas I'd love to like, you know, share with you upcoming your spring campaign. I don't know. I'm making this up. But like being that that brand is going to feel safe with you. You're not like, hey, like, can we work together? I have 100,000 followers. Like, you know, (laughs) I love that. Okay. Okay. So so how do you get them on the call? Is it do you suggest doing is it cold outreach through email? Is it DM? Is it voice note? Like. Is it depending on your personality, how you connect with them? Like, how do you get that conversation to to begin with? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that there's a bunch of, there's no one way, Tom, you know this, because I'm not a one way type of person. I'm a, how are we going to get in type of person? Like, if you've got 100,000 followers on TikTok, you know, are you reaching out to the brand on TikTok? Again, what type of brand is this? Is this a big Fortune 500 group? company where you're getting the social media coordinator to her first job, like that's probably not the right contact, right? But who knows, it's a smaller company, maybe the person behind the DM is the person you're trying to reach out to. I believe strong pitches can start on social to ask for the email of the person that you're trying to reach out to, but they need to be transferred over to email because your pitch is going to be so freaking good and your media kit is going to be so strong that when they read that pitch email and see your your deck, they're like, whoa, like, hey, Sarah, look at this. Like, look what just came through. It makes it easy on email to forward to if it, that's not the right person, they can easily say, oh, yeah, this is interesting. I, I'll forward this to the person that does cut the check and make the, the decision. And it's happened time and time again. I see this happening all the time. Through all my students okay, that come so through, they tell me like, oh, I, my email got forwarded. 
or like they cc the other people, like stuff like that, you know? So, so the exact verbiage, let's say someone is reaching out to a chapstick brand. Uh, I don't know why I said chapstick. Maybe let's say uh, suntan lotion and they're a travel influencer and they're reaching out to a suntan lotion brand. Um, it's an organic suntan lotion brand. All right. <laughs> and they're reaching out through DMs. Say, 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 hey, I would love to like, is it, hey, I would love to collaborate. Uh, let, I'd be very interested in getting on a call with your team. And talk, no, like, no, 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 no. That's way too soon. No, no, that's way too strong. We got. We too don't much? have that much. much? We, Did you say too much? No, no, we just don't have that much space on the DM. Like, we just need to like tease the yeah, opportunity, yeah. right? Like, I am this. You know, I have a community <laughs> of travel creators who are truly interested in like whatever organic sunscreen. Um, I would say I have I have a few opportunities I'd love to send to you. Like, or oh. is is there someone Ooh. that? Um, you could connect me with that deals with your influencer, creator, you know, marketing. Um, I'd love to share it with them. Like, no, like, then they're like, oh, yeah, sure. You can reach out to yeah. Stephanie. And then you meet up Stephanie. Okay. Hi, Stephanie. Hope you're like, well. So- like, I got your email from your team over on the TikTok account. Like, then you go into it, right? Okay. So you don't actually ask for the email. You imply that, like, I want to connect with the people that uh, I want to, you know, I would love to connect with you on this. And then if they, you can ask for the email too. There's again, there's no yeah. right or wrong. Like, I, would you mind, you know, passing along the contact um, of the best person to reach out to regarding influencer marketing and creator? I have a few opportunities. Like, I'd love to send your way, you know, or whatever. Like, vague, invoke curiosity. Like, try to get them. Like, they're gonna. This is why the, the audit is so important. Okay, this is why the audit is so important because what's gonna happen is All that right, let's person. Talk about the audit then. Let's go on. No, I'll I'll explain. So this is the process, right? They see your DM and then they go on your handle and you're like tootie fruity Mm. for you, loves puppies, like da da da. Whack bio, whack, like whack identity, (laughs) content all over the place, content about your dogs, your kids, you're all over. You're lost. But if the bio is like traveler, you know, know, traveler, sustainable traveler, um, Product reviews, like, you know, sustainability. And then, like, a super sick, you know, section. And you see her top pin, let's talk about TikTok, pinned videos are relatable or her showing how she uses stuff or products. Again, it all makes sense in that that pitch, right? And then do you recommend – this is something I tell people. Tell me if this is stupid, but, like, start incorporating things that you already use in a non-salesy way into your content. So then you have a clear example to point to that the brand can then visualize what it would look like to work with you. Love it. 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 Because cool. people are not visual. Yeah, and people, I mean, excuse me, people are visual. Can I tell you, I, I got a job opportunity from doing that. I, like a full-time job opportunity where someone was like, like I mentioned a brand that I use that they DM me and they said, we're, we're hiring. <laughs> like, are you interested in this role? Because they saw, okay, this guy uses us. Like it's a, he's a customer. So he knows the brand and he has these skill sets. He'd be perfect for the role. I, I didn't do the job, but it, it was a, like, I started to see the power of just making content around stuff I'm already using. Yes, absolutely. And that's the type of mindset. A lot of creators get in a scarcity mindset where they're afraid. Like, I don't want to do it for free or like, you know, 
they get in this in their head, like, especially even when they're pitching, they're like, I don't want to give them that big idea. Like, do you know how many presentations like I have gone and stood in front of like everyone and given them my shot, like my big idea? Like, who cares if they yeah. take it? They're not going to do it as good as you. And that's not the last freaking idea that you're ever going to come up with, right? You are an, you are full yeah. of ideas. You will always have ideas, right? So like, you're a we machine. Can't, yes. You're a machine. Yeah. So we can't be in the scarcity mindset of being like, well, I don't want to do it. The idea is to get their attention, to get them excited. Um, okay. So now that the, the person on social media connects you with the person with your email, um, the right person at the company, and then in that email, we're getting kind of specific here. What do you, how long is that email? Like when you send out the email to try to get a discovery call, what, like how are you kind of framing? Like you're, are you sending the media kit right there? Are you sending prices or is this just like, hey, let's have a conversation? Definitely no prices, guys. <laughs> Definitely no prices. Um, no, no, no prices in the first email. That is way too strong. Um, okay. So basically the way we created our course, Tom, is based on a five-step strategy, right? So it's an 11 hour training and here we're just talking for, you know, a short amount of time. So obviously I can't give everything in this, in this show. And we're getting free coaching right here, y'all. So, so, so appreciate it. <laughs> no, cause the, cause the thing is, is the, what, what I usually teach is the five step program is really like first figuring out what brands you want to work with, right? Like having a system okay. in place so that, you know, who am I reaching out to getting the right contact is so important. Figuring out what to put in that initial pitch is so important. You may not even be going after a call in the first place. That may not even be what your pitch is about. This is our example, but that may not even be the pitch. The pitch may be, you know, a, a brand that you've already worked with and you're trying to sniff out if what they're up to in the next coming year. You know, like it, the pitch may be going after a cold lead and turning yep. it warm and asking them if they want to do an IG live with you. You know, the pitch may be... A, uh, straight for, you know, going after it, asking a brand to get on a call, pitching them an idea and go, you know, there's so many styles of pitches. And in our course, we have over 70 examples. They're not templates. Cause I don't believe in templates. I believe in teaching you through example. So I don't like to get pigeonholed in like, you know, what exactly do we do? And the, there's no right formula. And one thing I often teach is people that tell you there's a formula, they're trying to make you think that you're missing out on something. And in fact, everyone here listening is a creative person. They own their own businesses. They need to be able to think critically on their feet regarding what that is that they're going after, right? It's a true mindset game. You know, there is no right way. Anyone that's telling you there's only one way is trying to probably get you to buy something. You need to think about your business holistically as a whole and what your goals are. So when if, if your goal is to get on a call with a brand and hear them out, see what they're working on and vibe with them, like show them your personality, like you're skipping the line. Like you get to have a moment where you shine, right? And they're like, oh, like this person's so cool. You know, there's no like, you know, in that pitch email, it's going to depend on so many things. Obviously, I would recommend not putting your rates in there because that would be absolutely catastrophic. The goal is to make them see like how cool you are, your value, a strong analytic, attaching a media kit, maybe putting a few ideas that you have, a few headlines in that email to kind of get them, whoa, like this person's done their research, right? It's not just a blanketed talk. Because yep. you have to really get people excited about working with you. And that's why we can't do these sort of pitches in the ethos. You have to go and, you know, read them out and test, test. 
there's a whole thing on probability. I'm like, I, I need to interview someone on a probability for my podcast, Influencer Confidential. I need to interview someone who studied probability and be like, if you send out 100 pitches, what is the probability that you are going to get zero responses? I'm pretty sure it's really hard to get zero. So a big part of it is yep. just freaking pitch, test, see what they say. No one writes back. Okay, cool. Normalize hearing no. Normalize not getting responses. It's not the end. Of, it's not you. It's not personal. Just, you know, try a pitch. If it doesn't work, refine it. Um, and I love the media kit. You've heard can, me can, say. Well, so, so one thing to interject there, too, is, you know, you've worked represented brands. I've worked represented big brands. A lot of it has to do with timing, too. Uh, so a lot, the brand deals that I have now, when I first had that discovery ability, discover, discovery call uh, with them, it was like a great get to know you, um, but they weren't sponsoring podcast at that time three months later they were like hey we're sponsoring podcasts now uh we would love to sponsor yours like it made sense then but if i didn't have that initial call and i saw it as like a all or nothing type of thing like i would have been let down but the beauty is it's all about building relationships so you're top of mind when the money when absolutely and that's why people are like nina can like send me a pitch, right? Like show me what a pitch looks like. And I'm like, I would be doing you a disservice because this pitch is just one freaking little idea out of a sea of thousands. Right. So like what I try to teach my students is we're getting rid of the template. We're thinking critically. How can we write in a way based on what our goals are? So like in your calls that you got on to get the brands to know you, like that's an amazing, amazing example of, Hey, money was ready three months later, but they remembered you and they're like, oh, this is the guy that we want, right? Um, A lot of creators hide behind, hide behind the fear. They don't ever send the pitch out of fear of not getting it, but they're not getting it anyways. Do you know what I mean? You're not getting it if you're not sending it. So Uh, I love this. I love this. So, so. But yes, um, to your so question originally, we have oh, yeah, to work to your yeah. question. Sorry, I just want to say because everyone wants me to give it to them. Okay. Email has to include your media kit because you're doing them a disservice by not. The goal of the media kit is visual. One thing I was trying to explain is the importance of being visual. A long email full of words, a long media kit full of words, no one wants to read that. People want to go straight to it. We are skimming society. We all skim. I don't even think people read captions anymore. They just skim through things, right? We're just skimming, skimming, skimming. So really the idea here is to get a strong pitch in place that shows that shiny analytic for the TikTokers that go viral. What's that really flashy, sexy number outside of followers? Because everyone knows what your followers are. You can add that. But what's something else? What are your monthly impressions? What's your cumulative view for the month? What's a really big banger that's going to get people like open their eyes, right? Then Obviously, the pitch needs to include some humanization, personalizing it, research on the brand, not a blanket template. And then that media kit is attached and the call to action is I would either love to jump on a call or I'd love to learn more about ways we can work together. Again, depending, not every creator is trying to jump on calls. If I was on a call, I send 20 pitches a week. I'm not trying to always get on a call, right? So like it really it really comes down to also you as you're going to you're going to start to see the more you pitch, the more people start responding and you're like, okay, well. Now I got to Now I got to do all this, you know, got to, got to take the, the work and the calls and the proposals yeah. and all of that. Okay. Beautiful. And now this person, um, let's say they're on the call is going great. Is there something where you should be suggesting? Cause you said, I'm going to send you a, a proposal. Is it 
you're kind of like feeling them out, trying to figure out what their goals are. And then you're trying to come up with the deliverables of what should work for them. Or do you ask them, say, hey, how do you want me? What do you want me to make? Or you or do you decide what you should? Make? I vote deciding in the sense like depending. You may get on a call where they're like, we have a campaign already in place. This is our campaign and you're going to learn about the campaign and this is what we're looking for. They may already have a system. Again, that's why we, we, we can't like, we okay. don't know. If they don't have a campaign in place and they're just yeah. learning about you, then you're coming to the table. You're learning about what they need, what they're lacking, how you can be a support. And then you send, you know, a follow-up a proposal that has, and in the course we show, I think about eight different proposals because there's eight page proposals, one page proposals. I show you how to build this out because this is a fundamental yeah. factor in sealing a sort of deal, not only a campaign, but when we're talking four or five figure deals, like anything over, I think like when you're asking for over like $5,000, like this needs to be done in a, I think a more professional manner. Um, these are bigger clients, right? These are, you know, if someone's paying you $5,000. I think that's a lot. So like I, out of a just good business practice, I always recommend like a proposal for that type of work. Um, and that's where you kind of outline again, like those ideas and things of that nature or what you're pitching. I think one thing for TikTokers that they need to also understand is you're going to encounter brands that are really late to the game. Um, and then you're going to encounter brands that are already actively doing this, right? So you know your account. And Tom, you know more than me on TikTok. You tell me, is one TikTok going to be like really to move the needle for your brand client? Or do you think like a package of three would be like a no. better a better suited like like activation are we talking three tiktoks five tiktoks over a quarter of like maybe think, three months I think, I think three minimum is a great idea because of how finicky the algorithm is and you also know like the amount of times you need to be in front of people for them to actually make a, a decision a buying decision um yeah and the nature of tiktok people are swiping so quick i think three videos i, I would if i'm if any friend asks me i'd say start with like a three video package sometimes you have to play the game and like i try to avoid that though because it's like one video like i don't want to like measure our whole relationship based off of one one tiktok video so because every platform is different if i was talking to a youtuber I'm like one video integrated, 30 second spot, baby. We're not even talking like a whole dedicated video. So every platform has to be treated differently. Yeah. There may be people that are listening that are on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, different sets of deliverables, right? But I know you're on TikTok and that's a space that you, you know, you, you speak to a lot of creators in. But for the TikToker, think guys, think critically. What would be in the best interest of your brand client? Like what's a package that you could put together that would actually be useful for them? And then... You know, if it's to Tom's point, three, okay, well then do you want to package here three videos? Maybe they're distributed within a month so that, or within, you know, I don't know. I have a client right now doing a TikTok campaign and she's getting paid a crazy amount and the product is launching in June and she's doing some TikToks now to like promote brand awareness. And then she's doing one right by the launch as like that initial trigger of like, it's available. So you can think critically about what are what's in your client's needs so that you can really help them. And notice I call the brand the client because it's, as a TikToker or a creator and you're going through different brand deals, these are your clients. You're sending them invoices. You're sending, you know, absolutely. That's how that's how we need to start looking at it. Okay. So on the discovery call. So I, I love that part of it because I think a lot of people they, they just assume that I'm going to send this email and they're going to say, yeah, we're going to send you five grand <laughs> just to make one video, you know, like, but there's that back and forth on that call. And that's something from the freelance world I learned a lot about is where like some of them are like, uh, you know, in the freelance world, they're like, we need a 30 second video. But like in the 
conversation, you realize that's not actually what they need. So your job as a creator is to help them get to that outcome using the resources that you have. Like it might be better for your newsletter, like for this specific campaign. It might be better for, you know, just a different, a different type of way to collaborate with them. So on this call, one, I suggest to, I, uh, to ask as many questions as possible. And I'm curious for you, which questions? And then two is I tell people to go and look at their website. What are they promoting? What are the words that they're using to talk about their brand? Then kind of incorporate that into those those emails where it's like it's clear that how you work with them is going to help them achieve the outcomes that they're looking for. Uh, but you can get more detailed on the phone call with specific questions. So what are some of the questions that you you suggest to ask to, to kind of get some of those answers? I love that. Asking them, how have you worked with creators in the past? You know, what does success look like for you? Oh. You know, what, what does success look like for you? What, yeah. just asking straight up, like, Oh, growth, sales, delivery, you know, I have a brand right now. We can't sell anything. We have zero inventory, but we're still working with influencers. So it's not always sales. Like we're delayed because of supply stuff. So we're still working with influencers, but working now to grow the, grow different accounts. So ask them what, you know, what are some of your goals this quarter? You know, asking, asking what they're looking for. If they're like, Oh, we're really trying to grow our TikTok. Oh, well then maybe we should do a giveaway. Like you're no, or you're thinking to yourself, or maybe we could do, you know, something that's going to help drive goal, growth to their TikTok if that's what the brand's looking for. And you know what's crazy is sometimes brands don't even know what they want. They have no idea. And your job they just, as they just want to be in the game. Yeah, they just want to be in the game. And your job as a creator is to find out what are they lacking. So like if you're seeing, if you're if you a lot of my students are a lot of them, I have a lot of Instagrammers as well. And now they're going to their Instagram clients and saying, hey, I noticed you don't have a fully, you know, presence, a strong presence on TikTok yet. And they're like, oh, no, we don't. Yep. So it's like finding what brands are also lacking and how you can be a value. On these calls, asking questions like, you know, again, what the brand's goals are, um, asking them, asking them straight up, like, when you work with creators in the past and they may say, Oh, we haven't worked. That's a clue for you that they haven't worked with anyone before. Right. So that they're Mm -hmm. also first starting out. Um, I think a lot of the times as a creator, when you're asking these questions is to kind of get you, it's to kind of get you those clues so that you can put together like a strong, you know, after pitch or after proposal, but also be prepared to come to the table with really exciting ideas. Some really fun ideas, right? I have a a creator right now. We're prepping um, one of my coaching students. We're prepping for a big pitch that's coming next week with a humongo brand. And we came up with some killer ideas. And she's sending. They told her, be prepared to present. Not every call will be like this, right? They told her, be prepared to present. We'll have the whole, the marketing team will be on with us. So she has like a deck already ready for that call that has those ideas, you know, visually out. We're going, you know, we're going for a $50,000 campaign here. So we want to be prepared on that pitch. Again, every call, that's why some are discovery and some are like the brand doesn't have time to chat. And they're just like, come to the table, send me your pitch deck. Let us know how you've worked with brands before and um, be, you know, whatever. So that's the call that we just, that we're preparing for this week. So again, those are some starting points. I love it. Okay, so so because you are obviously a specialist, like you understand this brand's audience, right? If you if you kind of built your brand out 
uh, your list of brands outright, like you're someone that you, you would consider like, I know this audience well, and I'm also a creator, a storyteller. I know, I understand the space, whatever channel like, we'll say TikTok. You probably know more or than the brand knows about that. So like they're like, that's why it's important to understand what their goals are and then incorporate what your strengths are and the assets that you have and how that'll help them in the in the actual proposal when you follow up. So now we're setting them the proposal. What are some th things that people do that leaves money on the table? Like what are some things that you see a lot of creators do where it's like they send the proposal and they realize they didn't they could have charged for this or they could have added this option if the brand wanted that. Or are there anything that you see that, that comes up? Not during the proposal part. It's usually in the contract part because brands okay. will start brands will start coming in and saying, we want whitelisting, we want this, we want that. And then those are like, whoa, 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 those are premiums. You know what I mean? Like those are things that aren't discussed. So I find a lot more of that on the on the contract end. And I find that creators tend to leave money on the table in the negotiation space as well because they kind of go in to a to a to a deal like unready to negotiate. And we talked about this before, Tom, like if you get a brand to say yes on the first deal, you feel like you could have asked for more. Yeah, and yeah. it's a mindset. It's a psychology, right? Like if you go and pitch a $10,000 gig and the brand says, okay, you're like, instead of being grateful for the okay, you're like, I could have gone for 15, right? This is like an internal <laughs> yeah. humanistic thing that we all do. So I, creators want the push and pull. You guys say you hate negotiating, but you actually... If you don't negotiate, you feel like you could have asked for more. So you're never yeah. happy. Creators are never happy. Yeah. I started, I started to, to learn to enjoy it. I'm just like, it's kind of – because it's, it's – one, it's not their money. Like it's like it's like it's usually not the owner, right? It's like it's like someone that works there, and they they want you to win too. They want to work with someone that makes everyone look good. They want you to be happy too, and uh, especially if you part, partner with the right people. Now, are so you said the proposal, negotiation, and the contract. Are you not putting any of the money, um, like the pricing, in the proposal, or is that separate? The pricings are going into the proposal, but then after we go into negotiations, because the proposals okay. have like they may have again. I strongly advise people that are in this phase of their businesses to truly, you know, invest in our course. I mean, Tom has his own affiliate to it um, because the proposal section is not just a like you may have a proposal with one big idea and one big scope of work, but you may have a proposal that has three ideas with three different prices on them because you're, you know, you're packaging it out. And those are the examples that I share in this course because there's multiple to you, Tom, in this example, we are putting money, but we're not going into the logistics of every nitty gritty thing. This is to get them to be, okay, yeah, we want to move forward with package A, or we'd like to move forward with this, you know, this, this work. Okay, here's the contract, right? Then that's when after the brand is like ready to accept, this is when we iron out like minuscule things. I think if there's certain things that as a creator, you know that you want to bundle into your proposal, like usage, three months, exclusivity, 30 days, if you wanted to go in and put whitelisting for up to a month, like if you want to bundle that into your rate ahead of time, cool, that's fine. You can have it in your proposal. Um, again, I have creators that are oftentimes just sending like three big visions and then the brands are two big visions or like they're sending these ideas and then the brand is like, okay, we want to move forward. You get on another call, you talk it out. I mean, these are not just like one and done. Um, 
depending again on how much we're asking for. If we're asking for, you know, $5,000, $10,000 gigs, $15,000, $20,000, we're talking about $500 a post, guys. I really hope that you're not going to be putting in this type of, this type of like dynamic. I mean, when it comes to under a certain number, you know, this is the fee and this is the fee. And then do you say like start, starting at on that initial proposal? So it's like that kind of like starts the conversation, but it's not like. Yeah, and you can. Some of them say starting at, okay. some of them will say this is the fee. There is no starting. This is it because it includes like all of this stuff. Like, yep. you know, I see a lot of YouTube um, channel sponsors. I see a lot of uh, podcast sponsors. Um, one thing a lot of my TikTokers are doing, you know, that I'm working with, we're doing TikTok channel sponsorships, like 30 day channel sponsorships, right? Where you get, it's like retainer based work, where now we're going after, you know, influencers, excuse me, brands that are going to be paying us like monthly retainers to post a certain set of deliverables on our page, right? Influence page. So I'm going to post five times a month for, you know, whatever, $5,000 a month, right? It's a $15,000 gig. And it's a three month gig and I have to post this amount of times. Now TikTok stories, like, is that a new, you know, a new monetization angle? I'm going to bundle in a certain number of stories into the campaign. You know, again, that's something that the TikTokers can decide if they want to include that complimentary. Do you want to charge for it? Do you want to do it as like a goodwill to your brand partner? Cause you're going to story anyways, decisions that you can make yourself. Yeah. Um, but I think that's also important to to consider in all of it, you know? And, and, and you know what I think is important to do too, because I see this a lot in like the freelancer world, is if it is complimentary, still list it as a, li uh, uh, as a line item. So, you know, it'll be like, you know, the main deliverable is three videos. And if you're doing stories for free, say stories complimentary or like waived and like put the number like what it would normally be. So like they it looks and feels more tangible of, as to what they're getting. I am obsessed with you. And that's why you're the perfect affiliate for this course. Because no, I'm literally obsessed with you. Because you were like, so I mean, I'm like, am I talking to myself? Did I, I'm like, who, who is this person? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I know. I, I, there's a lot of things that you're saying where I'm like, I, I feel like we'll agree. Like twin, we'll agree. twin like, souls like, here. You've seen similar things. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Yeah, I have so many questions. Like every time you talk, I'm just like, yo, know, I, I have a lot of different ways that I would take that. This, I want to talk about UGC. How, how do you see people working with, give me an example. Uh, say, say that TikToker, they're doing um, three a month with this brand now. How do you s split that up between like what is on my account and like what you get to use on your account. Is that like a separate deliverable as well? That like if you're going to use it on your account too? Great question. So when a brand is – Is that a clear question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's clear. I think okay. – and those are things that some people are very – some creators are very particular about, right? They're very, very particular about like using my likeness on your page. Is it my page? Like double. Um, yeah. And again, these need to be outlined in the contracts. Um because it's up to the brand to be very clear on where that will live. I think that for the most part, if a creator is working with a brand and they're creating content for the influencer's account, like you're, I'm creating content for Sidewalker Daily's account and the brand wants to reshare it on their page. Like to me, I have found that it's almost like an industry norm that they get to reshare the stuff that they do with you. Um, if you don't feel comfortable with that and want to bundle it into a fee, I'm not a nickel and dime type of like business person. Like I don't like to make people feel like I'm nickel and diming them. I rather charge premiums yep. and like bundle these sort of fees into it. 
I don't think anyone likes to feel like, okay. you know, a la carte. When you give a brand too many choices on how to pay you, then they're going to try to like cut things out and like it becomes uh, the so, menu. We don't want to do the menu, right? Just this is your fee. No. They don't need to know the breakdown. Um, but I think if you're like a TikToker, I have this girl right now, about 8,000 followers on Instagram. She signed a $6,000 brand deal. Um, two weeks after taking the course, and now she's doing $3,000 a month to create TikToks for a brand's account, okay, for a brand's account. She's not posting on hers. So she is responsible to create a certain number of TikToks for $3,000 a month for their account. It's a, it's a beauty brand. So I asked her, I go, well, is your face going to be in it, or is it just like a hand showing a product, or are, you, are they using your likeness? Because this will affect the fee as well, right? Like, all these sort of things go into it. If you're creating content for someone else's account, are they using your face? I had a really good conversation with a mega influencer the other day, and she was like, she was talking about usage. And this blew my mind. So I always forget, like, just in my contracts, that I don't even sometimes even remember. She was like, why am I going to let a brand post me for two years, have usage for me for two years? If I let Nike post me for two years, why would Adidas want to work with me? Like, I'm almost like... I'm like now yeah. they're, you know, so I want to make sure that like, unless Nike is paying me for two years usage to be identified with my likeness, that it's not fair because Adidas isn't going to come and knock on the door. And I was like, oh, wow, touche. I mean, granted, she's making half a million a year on brand deals, you know, but um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, that, we're at a different level yeah, here, no, you know, a, like exclusivity, exclusivity consider. on the influencer side should match like the usage duration on the brand side as well. Because if they get to use you for yeah. 20 years, two years, yeah. but you're only like using them for 30 days being exclusive, but they get to promote your face. What if you blow and now like they're still using your, your content, like your, your, your likeness. This is wonderful. It, 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 no, no. Th these are the things that we're getting like in the nitty gritty. And I like it because I, I've seen a lot of people ha that have that happen where it's like, I want to work with this one podcasting company, but I have like this other company is still promoting me and it would just be so confusing to, to my audience. Th th and there's so many different ways that we can take this. And, and you mentioned one thing about um, myself being an affiliate with your course. And this is something that kind of came up organically in a conversation that we had. I was like, I feel like I'm so aligned with what you teach. I've been following your content from the jump and like so i know i can vet it that it's that it's strong and like we knew we you know we were going to get on the podcast so i've seen people in the world have these types of affiliate partnerships where it's like okay it's like part of it's an extension of their brand but it's like it's a product that they and a, a program that they absolutely believe in so uh, since we're talking about monetization and you're you said that you're you know at the beginning of the, the call you talk about working with uh, creators in ways where they think of the whole scope of the business. I'm curious now that we're friends and I'm an affiliate, like how, how do you, like, what's a great, like, how do I incorporate the affiliate partnership into my brand as a way that feels like it's an extension of bonus footage and creators are brands question. I think affiliates very are meta because it's your, <laughs> no, and I, no I have affiliates that I'm affiliates for, and I have a, a page on my website I'm building out and it's calling my resources. I'm not putting every affiliate I'm putting yeah. the top five. Um, so, yeah. you know, you can be affiliates to lots of things. You can have affiliate links in your blog. There can be partners that you're stronger affiliates for because they pay you more, right? When you're getting more, yeah. like it really also comes down, like, am I getting like 15 bucks for this or am I making like a nice solid, like chunk of change as well, right? A clip, yeah. Yeah. So for me, my affiliates that I feel that I want to represent, there's things that I'm going to talk about organically anyways, 
like on my YouTube channel, there are companies that I'm straight up affiliates for because I use them all the time, right? So I have no problem recommending them because it's who I use. Um, I think one thing we, me and you talked about is like when you're trying to figure out like, oh, there's a, an affiliate that I think that this could make a lot of money for me in a way that I don't have to, like they're doing all the hard work, right? So for example, um, Thinkific. I'm an affiliate for Thinkific. They are where I run my course platform. I'm also an affiliate for Planoly. They're what I use to plan my Instagram account. Like if my audience, if I get 50,000 views on a video on YouTube, excuse me, that's talking about how to plan your feed and my audience is going to sign up because they trust me and they know that I'm not steering them in the wrong direction and I'm making money from my affiliates, like why would I... I know which affiliates my audience wants and which ones like they don't. So I also push certain affiliates that I know are going to revenue generate for me in a passive way more because I know my audience, like my Instagram videos kill it on YouTube. Like people love those, right? My brand partnership ones do well. Some of them may not do as well. So I'm like, oh, even though I want to, even though I have an affiliate for this type of thing, like my audience doesn't really care about that. So I'm not going to really push it. Yeah. So it's figuring out too, like what are the needs of your audience? How can you serve them? What are the values? And then integrating your affiliates as a way to help you monetize, but you're going to mention them anyways. It's something you believe in anyways. You're making passive income on it anyways. So that's how I approach it. Um, and one thing I think in general is just for creators to start looking at themselves as brands. Creators are brands. Um, shout out to that. Because making money is such a diversified experience. There's affiliates, there's brand deals. You may want to build a course. And one thing, Tom, everyone gets it wrong on the courses is that they feel like they need to make a course on teaching someone marketing or how to grow. I have influencers and creators who make courses on things they are good at. A beauty influencer doing a $97 course that shows her skincare routine that she doesn't show to anyone else. And she's showing all her favorite products. Uh, spreadsheet and next, you know, the sp I'm sure you've seen her on TikTok, Miss Excel. She does courses on Excel and Google Sheets and all those yeah. things. They're not teaching you how to grow or how to be on TikTok or how to, you don't have to teach the marketing. Teach what you're good at. Like, if you wanted to do the course route, like I have a travel influencer, she has a course on the Greek islands. And believe it or not, people that are traveling to the Greek islands, they may want to know exactly where to stay, how to go. And she bundles it in in this perfect way that sell, you know that she's able to monetize. So just yeah. the courseway is available to a lot of people as well. It's just, I think people feel like they need to make courses on growth and working with brands and things like whatever, because that's what they're doing. But in fact, what does your audience want from you? Like if you're a pet influencer, I work with pet influencers and nurse influencers. Like, do you want to do a course uh, on, I don't know, supplies, tools, pet influencers? Yeah. Pet I feel like the pet industry are, are pet brands paying. I feel like the pet industry is super competitive and there's a lot of dog and cat content that pops on TikTok. And I'm like, I feel like there's so many opportunities for brands there. So much. So, so much. Yeah. I know pet influencers that are killing it. <laughs> I love it. And so like, yeah, that's why I was asking because I feel like there's a lot of creators just in the affiliate. Like they're like, how do I, well, what makes for a good affiliate partnership? Uh, I've seen pe I've seen a lot of people um, do affiliate partnerships with like platforms. Uh, one of the people famously is um, a Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income, 
and he has like a bunch of YouTube videos on his YouTube or his affiliate partnership with ConvertKit. And oh my god, like, he kills like, it! Hundreds of thousands. Yes, I was going to mention thousands of this one. Yeah, this this one platform that he and I, I even ended up buying his affiliate course. I, I haven't went all the way through it, but like I was very curious about that world because it makes sense. Like if you're using it and people are already asking you questions about it, and there's a link that you could easily. It's like an upgrade to like, yeah, like this is the one I suggest. Use this link. Like it's 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 just. It, it, it just makes – it's just the natural extension of your brand. Now, I haven't seen – I'm curious. I, I guess maybe like Marie Forleo's like B-School. I think a lot of – there's a lot of affiliates for that. Like I haven't seen as many people be affiliates for courses. Um, are there any examples or case studies around that? And I'm just like getting people to think about like how they can partner with other people in their space. For example, I don't think I'm going to make a better course than you. But people come to me for this subject, so I might as well like – it's it's smarter to collaborate, um, and like because people are already coming to me, I would direct people to yours before mine, anyways. <laughs> no, and that the way that you're thinking is just because you're efficient and you're working on like building your empire because you're going to diversify in so many ways, right? Like, in turn, like to your point, building a course is so much work, and it took us like a year to put together. We're updating it all the time, customer service, like all the things that are involved, like with dealing. And as an affiliate, you don't have to deal with that. Like you just deal with hey, this is something that I already believe in. It's like, why am I going to com- invent ConvertKit? They already have like, it's a name. I'm not going to go and like make an email marketing platform system. Like I'm just going to, I have a ConvertKit yeah, affiliate yeah. as well. So like, and you know why? I think it's public record, but they have a nice affiliate program. Like one of the things with affiliates that they, they get wrong is like, ones. yeah, you, you want to feel good. So we made ours based off theirs. Like we're like, how much, like we want people to feel valued, not like, oh, here's 5%. Like no one wants to work for that, right? Like, so a big part of like affiliate programs is making your affiliate feel valued, right? And um, financially, so that people can like make $20,000 a month just on pushing their own things and partnering with brands that make sense. The thing about affiliates that I think everyone should just kind of also think about is that it's not a get rich quick scheme to your point, Tom, it's choosing ones that are relevant, like harboring them some, and, and keeping it at that. Because once you start overflowing, you yourself will get confused in your messaging and in, in you know, your, your outreach on them. Because as anyone will know, when you start selling, it's not just like having a link up there and making a lot of money, like being a good affiliate, like that guy, the Pat Flynn guy, like he's promoting his affiliate, like you have to promote, there's work behind it as well, you know? Like it's your own product. That, that's sort of what he talks about. I watched like the first the the first lesson of his course, and and like that was like the main thing. Like treat these products like the, they're your own. Like like you created this, and you're a natural marketer, storyteller, and like how you would like integrate this in with your your content the way you would your own product. And I love that way of thinking. He says that like before you have your own product, this will give you the skills to like learn what goes into actually marketing another product. So one way I was thinking about it was like I feel like we should do this. I don't know if you've ever done this with any of your affiliates. Maybe do like a like a one off like training that like I would promote to my audience that you we would collaborate on. I, I know they were super popular back in the day, like the, the joint we- webinar. Like they were popular a couple of years ago. Are they still a thing that people do? So VIP because it has to be with people who are going to bring in like at least audience. So we still do that. We do it with VIP like, you know, affiliates like the because all people that sign up to our affiliate program personally is application only. It's not available to everyone. It's like 
we don't want everyone being an affiliate. That's not our strategy. It's very yeah. much like just certain people um, for now. So we've done joint webinars, super successful. Um, and But it's something that there's like a time cap on, right? How many webinars can you do like a month type of thing? Yeah. So yeah, yeah I would yeah, love to yeah. do that with cool, you. Cool, cool. Yeah, we, we, can, we can jam on that idea. I, I like kind of like brainstorming and thinking out loud because it'll get people's wheels turning about, you know, some people probably have similar relationships with people in you know, in, you know, their same market as creators. And I like to kind of, you know, sometimes with the guests, like brainstorm out loud uh, so they can start thinking of ways that they can partner with other people. And it's not comp like, that's the, that's the cool thing about the creator economy. Like it's, I don't like, I feel like everyone is like, is like so supportive, uh, you know, and, and I love the program that you've created and I'm excited guys. If you want to get into that, hit the link. Yeah, YouTube, like you found me, um, is kind of where I call my my home. I love YouTube. Um, so Sidewalker Daily on YouTube and Sidewalker Daily everywhere on TikTok, on Instagram. Um, our podcast is Influencer Confidential, which has been um, for a very long time a repurposed tool for us from our YouTube. We've been just pulling a lot of the clips because my videos, to be frank, are are a little boring um, in the sense that I don't do anything. I just teach. I sit there on a blank wall and I just teach from my heart. So a lot of people actually told me, hey, I don't even watch your videos. I listen while I cook, while I'm taking the kids to school, while I'm driving. So I was like, oh, I should just reconvert this into a podcast. Um, but one of our goals this year is also bringing in more guests to our podcast. So Tom, I hope I can bring you on to mine um, and more people. I would love to. Yay. I can bring more people. Um, that's something that we're also looking to do. So it's funny, one of the big things that, and I recommend this to anyone too, a lot of the influencers will ask me like, oh, I'm on TikTok or I'm on YouTube and I don't know like where my audience, like how I get them, right? Or like, how did they find me? And one of the big things is to ask. And when you buy one of our courses or our membership or coaching, in my form, I ask you like, how did you hear about us? And more and more, I, they, I, it's a, I think it's a required um, question because I want to know where are my efforts. So of course, the most come from YouTube. But this month, a big chunk of our coachings have come from podcasts. And people are saying the podcast. And I'm wondering, am I ranking oh, yeah. for the term influencer? Like your creators are brands, but our, our, ours is called Influencer Confidential. So I wonder, like, are people typing the word influencer? And that's how they're stumbling upon us? I don't know. But um it's always important to also ask your audience how they found you, how they heard about you, because it can help you understand the efforts that you're putting on a certain platform and if they're fruitful. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm excited to keep the conversation going on your show and continue to find ways to collab together. But this has uh, been a real treat, and I, I, I've, I've gained a lot of information around uh, the conversations that need to be had with brands when when we're, we're building these business partnerships together. Uh, your wealth of information. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much, Tom. We'll be in touch.